So if I were to ask all of the children and adults in here, when you were in elementary school, what was your favorite part of the day? Y'all, I did not pay them, but they said the right thing. It was either lunch or recess, okay? And I, as I reflected back on why did I like recess so much, well, I love that I could get all of my energy and my wiggles out, but it was at that time of the day when really you had the least adult supervision. And so you could kind of get away with stuff, and so people said stuff that the teachers might not hear, and they acted in ways that maybe the teacher might not see. Um, there, it was a, I always wanted to play the sports the time, you know, like there was a group that would play football, or there was a group that would play basketball or soccer. And it was usually the same two boys each day that did that dreaded team-picking exercise you, you, you. And even though I was, uh, was tall, I was a girl, and so I was often picked last. And then I loved being picked last and then dominating um, <laughs> whoever it was. Um, it was the same thing, though, every day. The person who couldn't catch was never tossed the ball. And, and then the person, the, the little boy that didn't throw well, Eventually, someone would say, oh, don't let him throw it. He throws like a girl. That used to hurt me so much. A couple um, months ago, I went down to the NCAA tournament at University of Texas, the softball tournament. And if that's what it looks like to throw like a girl, that's fine by me. Uh, did y'all see the Texas catcher hit the pitcher in the face? Woo. Um, that wasn't, it wasn't intentional. And yet I never stood up for myself or for whoever I felt like was being left out of that choosing game. I didn't feel like I had a voice. I think I thought if I, if I said something, then, you know, I definitely wouldn't get picked or they wouldn't let me play. And so I didn't feel like I had a voice. And then as I grew up and as I became a teenager, I kind of found my voice a little bit. Um, I was made sure to let people know, especially my parents, when I didn't agree with the decisions that they made for me. Um, I was very quick to judge and very slow to listen. Um, I was going to use my voice to stick up for myself and, and for my others for things like no one has a curfew that's, that's only at 1130. Um, and y'all, I was so foolish I said so many things to peers and to coaches and to my parents, you know, out of trying to find my voice and, and saying the right thing. And then there were other times, though, as a young adult where I felt like I had no voice. And, and whether I was afraid of rejection or of someone giving me a severe consequence, um, I froze and, and it has taken years and I'm still coming to this place where when do I speak and when do I remain silent? And I've been fortunate that God has put so many amazing men and women in my life and continues to kind of shape me into how to use my voice and scripture. There are so many amazing stories in scripture of people that found their voice and did it in a unique way. I am so humbled to be able to share with you one of those stories today. We've been looking at these hidden figures in scripture and I can guarantee that these are the most hidden figures in all of scripture. So hidden that they're not even in the lectionary. 
Most of you have probably never heard of them. The daughters of Zelophehad. There's 11 verses about them in all of scripture. And if, if they were to fall out of scripture, none of us would know. They're that hidden. And yet they have this amazing and rich story. They come to us in a book of the Bible called Numbers. And you think numbers, and everybody that's in middle school and high school thinks, no, I, I hate math, right? Well, this, it's just called numbers. It's, it's, it's actually just because at the beginning there's a list of names of people but, and, and numbers of the tribes of Israel. But, but it's, that's not what it's really about. It's really about the wilderness. So you know the story that Moses gets the people out of slavery from Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. They cross over the Red Sea, and then they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. That's what the book of Numbers is about. And so they wander, and they complain, and then God gives them manna, and and then they complain, and then they're given meat, and they get in fights with each other. And, And there's this back and forth, and there's battles, lots of battles in the book of Numbers. At the very end, they are literally on the edge, the end of the wilderness, and they can look over and they can see the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. The land that they have been so excited that for 40 years, they have been told, this is the land that God has promised to give you as an inheritance. And they're standing there, they can see Jericho right there. And then God says to Moses, this is what I need you to do. I need you to do a census of all of the people, the 12 tribes. I want you to do a census because we need to know how many people there are, and this is the reason. It says, to these, the land shall be apportioned for inheritance. Okay, these words are absolutely critical before we read our text today. You see, every person that has made it to this point that's on that precipice looking over, every person knows that as long as they are tied to one of those 12 tribes, they get a piece of land. It's theirs. They get to inherit it. This was what God promised them. And so they're standing there, and and Moses lists off all of the tribes, and there's this long list, all of the descendants from the sons of Joseph. And yet, from the sons of Jacob, excuse me. And there's this one tribe, though. There's this one tribe from the line of Manasseh. And there's a problem because one of those tribes doesn't have any men to inherit it. There's these women. There's the daughters of Zelophehad. And they don't have any fathers. They don't have any sons. And so that's what brings us to our scripture today. As we prepare to hear God's word, will you please join me in our prayer for illumination. Loving God, by the power of your spirit, help us to approach your word. Remind us of those people whose stories we might not always notice. Show us how these hidden figures fit into your larger purpose and help us to hear and understand from their lives how you are calling us to live today. Amen. Hear now the word of our Lord. Then the daughters of Zelophehad came forward. Zelophehad was son of Hepher, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph, a member of the Manassite clans. The names of his daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah. 
They stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the leaders, and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And listen to what they said. Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord and the company of Korah, but he died for his own sin and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad are right in what they are saying. You shall indeed let them possess an inheritance among their father's brothers and pass the inheritance of their father on to them. You shall also say to the Israelites, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall pass his inheritance on to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it. It shall be for the Israelites a statute and an ordinance as the Lord commanded Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you sit back and you marvel at what these five sisters did, so bold to go before Moses, the priest, the leaders, and the entire congregation of Israel. See, this was a culture where women didn't do that. Women didn't have a say, a culture where women were used literally as barter. They were trading ships. They definitely didn't speak about a change in the law. I wonder, how did these five sisters even come together to agree on doing this? I have three sisters, and and the four of us, I don't think we've ever come together to agree on anything. And and yet, you see, it wasn't about individual gain, because they're looped together as a group. It was the daughters together going before Moses, the priest, and the whole congregation for a greater good. Before we look at what they say, the author is intentional to let us know how they approached these intimidating people. First, the text tells us that they stood before Moses, before the priest, before the whole congregation at the entrance to the tent of meeting. You see, the women didn't barge in. The women didn't enter the tent of meeting Tradition said they couldn't, and they respected that tradition. They approached the situation with humility and respect for the history that it represented. Second, these women, they came to the entrance, and they came prepared. They had done their research, and so when they approach Moses, they say, we want you to know about our father. He is not one of those that was part of Korah's rebellion. We want you to know that that we have no heirs. None of us have had any sons. We have no husbands. We have no father. They've done their research. They know what the law says. But they respectfully come before the rulers of the day. With humility and thoughtfulness, then 
the sisters speak. And they tell Moses, it is not right that because we are women, that we will not have access to this land. These women were chartering into territory that up to this point in the history of Israel has never even happened. There has never been a time when women have come before men and claimed something different than what the law would say. They literally change history forever. Women were identified and given status based on the men in their life, their fathers or their husbands or their sons, and these women have none of that. So Moses doesn't know what to do. And so he asks God, and and God responds this way. He says, the daughters of Zelophehad are right in what they are saying. I assumed that right there meant correct. That they, they are saying that the right thing, it is accurate. Well, I looked back at that word in Hebrew, and, and that's not what it means at all. The, the word means just, true. I loved how one translation said it means what ought to be. God is saying that the words that these women speak are words of justice. These are words that speak of what ought to be. Gosh, they are bold. They are so bold that they were willing to risk everything. In that moment, they could have been rejected. They could have said, you know what? You actually don't get to have anything. You don't even get to be on any of your relatives' land. Bold because they weren't going to let the fact that they didn't have a father or a spouse or a son take away the fact that they knew they were a child of God. And God said to this promised land is to all of my children. And they stood there humbly and said, we are those children. And so it's tempting for me to just say, you know what? That's what we need to do. All of us, we just need to be bold. We need to be bold when we see injustice. But friends, this passage is not about using our voice in bold ways. Let's face it, the world has plenty of that. The world has plenty of people that are willing to be bold with their voice. But what these women model is that when you're going to use your voice, you speak for something in a humble and in a thoughtful way. Throughout history, we have had others like these women, humbly and thoughtfully speaking for justice. But what about us? Y'all, it's time for the followers of Christ to speak out in a different way. In what ways do we need to stand at the entrance to the tent of meeting today and speak for justice? But not like the way everybody else is in our culture. With this attitude of humility and thoughtfulness. I'm sure you have witnessed things recently and you've thought this is not how it ought to be. I truly believe that one of the greatest ways that Christians can use our voice for justice is by doing it in relationship, face to face. You see, these women, they could have asked a man to go ask Moses. They could have asked someone else. They could have asked one of their uncles. Or better yet, the women could have just complained about it behind Moses' back and the other leaders' backs. The women could have found others who agreed and then rallied a rebellion up against Moses. This is what we do. We see the same people sleeping under the bridges in our area of town, and we write a complaining post 
on social media and we try to rally people around us. Or we read or, or see something on a blog post or a, an entry in social media and we don't agree with it and so we just leave this comment because we have to have last word. We write an email stating our opinions and don't leave the conversation open for the other person to respond. But these women, they chose face to face. And think about the in intimidating face to face conversation that they had. Friends, as followers of Christ, we are called to be like these faithful women, humble and thoughtfully speaking out for the way things ought to be. Have you found your voice? Do you find yourself getting fired up over the same issue? Is there something that you see and you think, it ought not be this way? As Christians, we need to use our voice to speak for what is true and just, but to do it in a different way. The next time you find yourself on the playground of life, and someone says something or does something that doesn't sit right with you, find your voice to respond. May we be bold, yes, but what this world needs is more daughters and brothers of Zelophehad. Link arms with your sisters and your brothers in Christ and walk up to the entrance to the tent of meeting and then humbly and thoughtfully speak words that are true. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.